Hi everyone, from Kobe Media, I'm Maria Tierney, and this is Stories For You Daily, a daily show where I talk about stories in the news from my perspective, addressing topics ranging from current social issues to happenings in media, business, and politics. So today we're veering into politics as the 2020 Democratic primaries continue to dominate the domestic news cycle here in the U.S. The media coverage has been pretty favorable to one candidate in particular who's now pegged as the frontrunner. And if you've seen any coverage, you probably already know that would be Elizabeth Warren, the woman with all of the plans. Warren has carved out a very interesting space for herself in this primary as the well-educated, articulate former Harvard Law professor who has also now deemed herself a champion of the people. She's made a calculated move to the left in this campaign, a stark contrast to her previously very moderate political background. So why exactly is this? I think she's made the determination that she ultimately thinks it will come down to her and Biden, so she's just chosen to go after the progressive base of Bernie Sanders. Will this strategy pay off for her? It's hard to say at this point, but I do think it's safe to say she will face increasing scrutiny over both her authenticity and the economic soundness of her plans. From the start of this campaign, Warren's platform has centered on big structural change to rebalance a system she says is tilted to the biggest corporations and to the wealthy and well-connected over the rest of society. And yes, that's her saying this, not Bernie Sanders. And yes, it would be very fair to question the authenticity of this platform, given that she used to work as a lawyer for said biggest corporations, and it's only now that she's changed her tune. Warren has been increasingly explicit about her progressive agenda since announcing her candidacy. She's issued a series of plans covering things such as childcare and college costs, student loans and housing, all ambitious and costly initiatives that she says her administration would pay for with a new wealth tax on people with wealth valued at $50 million or more. She promises to take on the big banks and drug companies and tech giants, and she says that she supports political reforms that would diminish the power of special interests and big money in politics. But one area where Warren seems less sure in her newly espoused political progressivism is healthcare. On Friday, she issued an additional proposal to go along with her support for Medicare for All, a step of moderation that appeared designed to put her into a safer place politically. Warren's progression on healthcare throughout the course of this campaign has taken her from a position of flexibility to one of seeming inflexibility, at least until Friday. Over the previous few months, she had moved herself more and more left, putting herself firmly into Bernie's camp on healthcare. This was initiated in the first Democratic primary debate back in June when she declared she was with Bernie on Medicare for All. Since then, she's been for Medicare for All rhetorically, but had hesitated to offer her own distinctive plan. Given her propensity for in-depth plans for everything, this would seem to indicate that she's less sure of her progressive footing on healthcare than she is on other issues. This also put her in further contrast with Senator Sanders, who readily acknowledges that under his proposal, middle-class families would pay higher taxes but he argues that the shift to a single-payer system would result in lower overall costs to those families for their health care coverage and therefore is well worth it. 
Warren, under repeated questioning and criticism from her rivals, wouldn't answer directly. She tried to deflect by saying she would not sign a plan that would mean higher health care costs for middle-class Americans. To her critics and even some of her supporters, it was an evasive and unsatisfying answer, particularly coming from someone who had detailed answers to questions about her other proposal. Then a few weeks ago, just before a big Iowa Democratic Party fundraising dinner that drew all the candidates candidates, Warren finally issued a financing plan for Medicare for All. She had experts who vouched for the soundness of the financing plan, but many experts quickly picked it apart as unrealistic, pointing out that it made tons of unfounded assumptions. The cost of implementing the plan, as laid out, would be astronomical, something to the tune of $52 trillion over a decade. It would shift the cost of employer-sponsored private health insurance to a Medicare tax on employers that would help sponsor the government-run health care program. But most of the funding for the plan, like the funding for all of her plans, would come from taxing what Warren calls the ultra-rich and then taxing them again and again until there's essentially nothing left to tax. It's reasonable that everyone should pay a fair amount in taxes, but many have rightfully pointed out that Warren's tax plans are punitive for the rich and are just plain unrealistic. The Washington Post laid out a good analysis of what Warren's tax plan might look like for a business owner whose company earns $100 million in profit in a given year. Under Warren's proposals, that profit would first be taxed at the corporate rate of 35%, plus an additional 7% surtax for the largest corporations, leaving $58 million for the business owner. But we're nowhere near done yet. If $28 million of that were distributed as a dividend, Warren would tax that just like wage and salary income at a top tax rate of just under 40%, plus Social Security and Medicare tax of about 18%, reducing the after-tax dividend to just $12 million. The other $30 million retained by the firm would, roughly speaking, generate a $30 million increase in the book value of the company. Warren would tax that unrealized capital gain in the same manner as the dividend, reducing it to about $13 million. That would leave the business owner with $25 million of the original $100 million of corporate profit or an effective tax rate on his capital income of 75%. But it wouldn't stop there. Every year thereafter, Warren proposes to tax that $25 million in added wealth at the rate of 6%, 3% for Medicare on top of 3% for her other initiatives. As a result, over the ensuing decade, that $25 million would be reduced to $13 million. And if the business owner were to die at the end of the decade, Warren would tax his estate at a rate of 75%, leaving just over $3 million or about 3% of the original $100 million. That, by the way, is only the federal taxes. Add in state taxes along the way and the business owner would be looking at an effective tax rate on capital income of somewhere around 99%. At that rate, it wouldn't be long before there were no rich people left to tax and there would be absolutely no incentive to own or operate a business in the first place. Warren's walked back her health care plan, but it doesn't seem like she has any intention of walking back her punitive tax plans anytime soon. Not to mention her excessive wealth taxes seem somewhat hypocritical given her successful law career representing big corporations or her estimated $12 million net worth. 
But for now anyway, the media has overwhelmingly settled on her as their candidate of choice. I'm not sure Warren's candidacy will stand up to public scrutiny over her authenticity or the feasibility of her plans, but there's a long way to go in this race and we'll have to see how it plays out. That's it for Stories For You Daily. If you'd like to hear more episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Maria Tierney, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.